0: Locked on Seahawks, your
1: daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me as always, my co host in crime, Rob Rang. It's Matchup Wednesday, our favorite episode of the week. We're going to be breaking down all the key matchups to watch when the Seahawks host the Jaguars, a must-win game for both teams coming up at Lumen Field on Sunday afternoon. Plus, a little bit more optimism on today's show, looking at the Seahawks' playoff chances. If you want to say they have any playoff chances, we're going to investigate that heading into week eight. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. This episode of Locked On Seahawks is brought to you by McDonald's probably serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. It's hard to think about many optimistic things with this current Seahawks team. They're sitting in last place in the NFC West. They're 2-5. and They've lost four of the past five games. They're 0-3 at Lumen Field in front of the 12s. Russell Wilson's going to miss at least one more game. Marquise Blair's done for the season. I could keep rattling off all these negatives. Nothing has went as planned this season. But if you're a glass half full kind of listener, you're going to enjoy this look that we're going to be taking here because, Rob, as crazy as it sounds, being three games under 500. Two and five for the first time since 2011, riding a three game losing streak, backup quarterback in. If the Seahawks can get the win against the Jaguars on Sunday, improve to three and five going into their bye, there are only six teams in the NFC right now that have a winning record. That seventh wild card spot could still be within reach if the team just can get some momentum and then get Russell Wilson back coming out of that bye week. You look at the standings and It's not a favorable situation. You're two and five. There's nothing favorable about that. But there have been other years where two and five would doom you, at least right now with that extra playoff spot, the extra regular season game, if they can find a way to right the ship, there at least is a little reason to believe there may be some hope the Seahawks can get back into that playoff discussion.
0: Yeah, it feels like we're having the conversation that Pete Carroll had with uh, the reporters a couple of weeks ago and, you know, kind of impersonating Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber fame. So you're saying there's a chance, you know, I mean, there's three reasons why I think that there absolutely is a chance for the Seahawks to get back into the playoff contention and and obviously – The three reasons, number one is number three. Russell Wilson, as you just mentioned, is going to be coming back here soon. And once you have the best player on the Seahawks roster back on the field for you, then obviously all things are are favorable for you. The second thing, again, as, as you mentioned, there are only six teams right now in the entire NFC that have a winning record. There are seven teams that are going to be making the playoffs from both the AFC and NFC. So if there is any type of positive momentum that is going to be built up here, then the Seahawks do have a chance of doing that. And by the way, this is a team that historically, with Pete Carroll as the head coach, historically, their defense has gotten better down the stretch. So I think those are all factors. And then if there is a team in the NFL that has a worse record right now, then the Seattle Seahawks, there's only a couple of them, but one of them happens to be the team that you are inviting into the Lumen field here with the Jacksonville Jaguars, with a rookie quarterback, with a rookie NFL head coach who, while he does have one victory so far that was way back in London he literally does not have an NFL victory in the United States at this point the likelihood that that's going to come in Seattle against a desperate Seahawks team I don't know I think that there's a lot of different positives you can take from this game from a Seahawks perspective
1: yeah we look at those top six teams in the NFC now there are some really good teams like the Arizona Cardinals that are undefeated the Rams six and one so when you're talking about the NFC West I think at this point unless both those teams have a bunch of injuries and they collapse, you can kiss getting back to the top of the division goodbye. That's not going to happen. When you lose five of your first seven games, you pretty much eliminate yourself. Unless you're in the NFC East, you pretty much eliminate yourself from winning the division. And so I think the chance of that happening now is slim to none. Playoffs is at least somewhat within reach if the Seahawks can get hot. They win this game against Jacksonville. They get Russell Wilson back. The other downside is working against them, though. When you're in a tight race like this, you need tiebreakers. So let's say the Seahawks get to a 9-8 and record or even 10-7, and and the Minnesota Vikings or New Orleans Saints has the same record. They're going to get the tiebreaker because the Seahawks lost both those games. Those could come back to bite them in the second half of the season. But I think the other reason when you're looking from an optimistic standpoint, I think the Seahawks have five or six games coming up in the second half of the schedule that are absolutely winnable games. They have home games against the Chicago bears and the Detroit lions late in the season. Those are two teams. The Seahawks absolutely should be able to beat. If Russell Wilson is back under center and stays healthy, they should be able to win those games. There's no toss up in this league or there's no game that, you know, is just a a given victory, but The Seahawks should be able to win those games. The Houston Texans are one of the worst teams I've ever seen. They are going to be on the schedule in Houston. It's a road game, but that should be a game that the Seahawks can win. Washington has really underachieved this year. They don't have a quarterback. Their defense has regressed in this uh, 2021 campaign compared to a year ago. So that's another game. There's four right there that the Seahawks should feel like they've got a really good chance to win those games. Now, that only gets you to six victories, So they're going to have to find a way to win one of the games against the Arizona Cardinals, if not both, which is going to be really difficult to do. They've got a road game against the Rams. They host the 49ers. San Francisco has not looked very good, so maybe they can sweep them this year. That will not be an easy game, though, being a divisional rival, and the 49ers have plenty of talent. So trying to get to 9 or 10 wins is not impossible, but it's going to be difficult. There's still enough difficult games. I forgot that game against the Packers as well coming up in Week 10 on the road. They haven't won in Lambeau since 1999. So even with Russell Wilson, that's going to be a very tall task against one of the best teams in the NFC. Getting to that 10-win mark is going to be difficult. They have to go 8-2 and two the rest of the way to do it. And that schedule, while there's a lot of really – Bad teams that I think the Seahawks should be able to beat. There's also a number of really difficult games. And based on what we've seen so far, it's hard to believe this team is going to be able to win more than one or two of those games, which means it's going to be difficult to get to 10 wins. That's just the reality. Maybe turn things around, but these playoff odds are still pretty slim
0: oh no question about it the the playoff odds are slim i mean unless you wear mama blues blue glasses then yeah i think that it is difficult to imagine a scenario in which they are going to go eight and two down the stretch but that's one of the key factors here Corbin is that they have only played 7 games. There are 10 games remaining. Um and so I think to say that to to suggest that the Seahawks are mathematically eliminated at this point obviously is just not uh or is just ignoring the mathematics of the situation. And I'll throw in another game in there that I think is absolutely winnable and that is against the so-called or the the so far undefeated Arizona Cardinals who the Seahawks will be playing In week 17, or I guess that would be week 18, but their 17th game is my point. Let's say the Cardinals have run away with the division, as it appears it's most likely to be the case at this point. It would make all the sense in the world. For the Arizona Cardinals to then rest their starters, a Kyla Murray, a Chandler Jones, a DeAndre Hopkins, all of their best players. So if the Seahawks are in fact fighting for a, a possible playoff spot at the very last game of the season, it would make more sense for the Seahawks to come into that game hungry rather than the Arizona Cardinals team that presumably has already won a division um, or, or at least is is very much competing for the division at that point to be able to rest their starters. And, and that might give Seattle an opportunity. And then you mentioned some of those other games as well. Um, you know, Washington uh, hosting the 49ers after already beating them in Santa Clara. And then again, this is a whole different Seahawks team when they have Russell Wilson under center.
1: We'll have to see what happens. Obviously there's still a lot of football left to play. A lot of bad taste out there for Seahawks fans right now because they've seen three straight losses at home to open the season unheard of. They've lost four out of five. It just seems like this team can't get over the hump, and, and it's been difficult to finish these games off recently because their has struggle without Russell Wilson. So that's the key here. You get number three back starting in week 10, and from everything I'm hearing, there's a really good chance that that's going to happen. You have Russell Wilson out there in Green Bay. You find a way to beat the Packers. And you win this game against the Jaguars, you're going to four and five, you're almost to 500. You've got a lot of winnable games left in your schedule. Then maybe this discussion ends up being a lot more interesting a few weeks from now. And maybe it's not going to seem like the world is ending in the Pacific Northwest. But we just don't know. The Seahawks have to start winning games. They got to take this one week at a time and see if they can crawl out of this hole If not, obviously, they'll miss the playoffs for the first time since 2017. But Pete Carroll's the eternal optimist. He's doing everything he can to keep the morale up and hoping he can get this team going and get them playing to their talent level. If they can do that, then at least they can try to make things interesting once we start getting into the second half of the schedule. When we come back for the second quarter, it's matchup Wednesday. We're going to look at when the Seahawks are on offense going up against Jacksonville's defense. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Hey, Seahawks fans, this is Corbin Smith with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using get upside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code Touchdown to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to three hundred dollars a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash gets the cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon. Cash back on your first tank. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. It's Matchup Wednesday. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined as always by Rob Rang. As we do each and every week, it's time to dive deep into the matchups that matter most in this upcoming Week 8 matchup between the Seahawks and the Jaguars at Lumen Field. Going to start with the Seahawks on offense, Rob. We know that it's been a struggle without Russell Wilson under center, Geno Smith. It was a trying experience for him against that feisty Saints defense most of the evening on Monday night. They're banged up in the backfield. The offensive lines had a few injuries. Brandon Shell might not be available in this game. I think that lends us into a perfect first matchup here. The Jaguars do have a former top 10 pick in Josh Allen, who doesn't have great numbers necessarily this year. Just two and a half sacks, six quarterback hits, but he's an electric edge rusher. He had 10 and a half sacks as a rookie in 2019, former Kentucky standout. He is going to be a real problem if you think about what the Seahawks have struggled with. In regard to edge rushers the last couple of weeks, Dwayne Brown has not looked like his former self, really struggling against speed rushers. Last week had problems with the Saints the week before. Alex Highsmith beat him around the corner three or four times and got a sack on Geno Smith. And without Brandon Shell, they don't have Cedric Abuehi anymore. He's now with the Baltimore Ravens. Jake Curran and Jamarco Jones would be the backup options at that position. And either one of those players going up against the edge rushers that the Jaguars have could present problems with a backup quarterback in the game?
0: No, absolutely could. I mean, I I think that uh, the idea of looking past the Jacksonville Jaguars team that's one of the worst in the NFL in terms of pass rush would be a critical mistake because, you know, the Saints supposedly didn't have a a very dynamic pass rush, and yet they accumulated five. Five sacks against the Seahawks. And we talked about that, that I think that we both believe that the Saints pass rush was better than it looked on paper. I mean, one of their top pass rushers, Marcus Davenport, had been out for much of the season. And so it was predictable that the, ja- that the Saints, excuse Excuse me. We're going to be able to come into Lumen Field and be able to provide a lot more pressure on Geno Smith uh, than they had in previous games. And of course, they did so. Um, and so I think that you're absolutely right. Josh Allen is the best pass rusher on the Jacksonville Jaguars. He does only have two and a half sacks, but the Jaguars as a team only have eight sacks. Now, I think there's a lot of Seahawks fans out there that say, that hey, the Seahawks don't have much of a pass. The Seahawks have 13 sacks. So obviously 13 sacks is a heck of a lot more than the eighth of the Jacksonville Jaguars have at this point. So again, to me, that's one of the reasons why there is some optimism going into this game is the fact that you know Dwayne Brown has got to just be itching to be able to come off uh, you know, some of his worst performances uh, to date in, in a Seattle uniform, he is going to want to play good ball. We, we talked before about the possibility of Jamarco Jones or Jake Curran, that they both are two relatively young players, certainly with the rookie Curran, that, who has played pretty well when he's getting his opportunities. So if it is not Brandon Shell out there, who is dealing with a couple of bum ankle injuries at this point, um, then I do think that Seattle is actually better prepared to handle a Jacksonville pass pass rush that is pretty mediocre so far this year, uh, that they are much better prepared to be able to handle that than they were against the Saints a week ago.
1: Yeah, I think that that matchup is going to be a crucial one to watch just because of the way that those two tackles have played. I thought Brandon Shell struggled quite a bit the other night before he re-aggravated that ankle injury. It's interesting that they're talking about potentially changing centers right now because communication, I think, has been part of the reason that those tackles have struggled, maybe with even Posick out there, there will just be more communication stability. And maybe that makes those players off the edge pick up their game a little bit. We'll just have to see. Another matchup that I think is worth watching because it's an old friend in the secondary for the Jaguars. Got to watch DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett going up against Shaquille Griffin, longtime starter for Seattle, as well as rookie Tyson Campbell, a high upside prospect they really like in Jacksonville. But he's had his struggles this year. He has given up 345 yards through the air in coverage, according to Pro Football Focus, more than an 80% completion rate. Opponents have been picking on him. Shaquille Griffin's had a pretty good first season in Jacksonville. He's made his money that he got in free agency so far. Doesn't have an interception, but four passes broken up. Quarterback's posting an 89 passer rating against him, which is respectable, not great necessarily, but... A much lower completion rate against him than Tyson Campbell as well. He's given them a boost in the secondary. He's done a really nice job. Campbell has kind of been the player that teams have been picking on a little bit, though. And so maybe Geno Smith's going to try to get that going with his two-star receivers on the outside. It seemed like a favorable matchup. I am excited to see Metcalf and Lockett go against Griffin. These three guys know each other extremely well, went against each other on the practice field a lot. So Well, I don't know who the advantage is going to go to in that case, but obviously they know strengths and weaknesses in one another from all of those reps. And so that's going to make it for some pretty good must-see TV in week eight on the outside. Yeah.
0: I think so. I mean, I, I I would take DK Metcalf over any cornerback in the NFL. You know, and so I, I think that uh, that and with all due respect to Shaq Griffin, I think that he's a terrific player. I mean, he earned a Pro Bowl uh, nod in in Seattle, and he has played up to that big contract. And and I think that he deserves Pro Bowl consideration for what he's done for the Jaguars. And I really believe that Tyson Campbell, the, the rookie corner, as you mentioned, is a is a good football player with a lot of upside as well. But at the same time, I think it's pretty clear who the vets is and who the rookie is uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I anticipate that the, the Jaguars are going to be uh, matching up Griffin most often against uh, DK Metcalf. And even if that is one on cons- uh, one, one on one matchups, then I think that Geno Smith has to be able to have the confidence to throw the ball up to DK Metcalf and let him uh, try to create opportunities just the way that he did against Marshawn Lattimore a week ago and and really the only offensive highlights for the Seahawks with that, obviously that big, long touchdown. So I, I think that that is going to be a matchup to watch. And then on the other side, if it is Tyler Tyler Lockett, the, the savvy veteran that he is going up against uh, Tyson Campbell, then that's got to be a big win for the Seahawks as well, just because of how fluid Lockett is in and out of his breaks. He should be able to create some easy separation, be able to create some easy throws. And again, easy is the operative word because considering how much the Geno Smith has struggled getting the ball down the field, field on deeper throws I think that the lack of a pass rush from Jacksonville the lack of big play uh, defensive backs not only at the cornerback but the safety positions as well Seattle has to be a little bit more aggressive and tacking down the field I think they can do so against this Jacksonville defense
1: but they're gonna have to set that up especially with a backup quarterback in the game and that leads me to what has become a broken record it's basically a weekly thing here on locked on Seahawks Get your tight ends involved. Gerald Everett, Will Disley, Colby Parkinson, he's been MIA. Where are you, Colby Parkinson? Outstanding training camp before his foot injury. Get him involved in the passing game, that intermediate, middle of the field passing game. You can open things up for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett downfield just by making it that the defense has to pay more attention to your tight ends. They consistently underutilize that position in the passing game. I actually thought with Geno Smith as a quarterback, they would attack more with the tight ends to try to provide some easy completions for him, and yet that has not been the case in the last two games. End of the game against the Rams, that's what they were doing. He was getting the ball to Will Disley and trying to look uh, for his tight ends. It'd be nice to see that be an emphasis going into this game against a Jaguars defense that ranks 7th in the NFL right now, 7th most yards against from opposing tight ends. They've given up four touchdowns to opposing tight ends, and they've done that in six games. They had a bye week a week ago. So this is a team that has really struggled to slow down tight ends. Every tight end has looked like Rob Gronkowski or Kelsey out there putting up big yardage against this defense. Seattle's got to find a way to game plan to get Will Disley, Gerald Everett, and Colby Parkinson involved in this passing game. And I'm telling you, if they can do that, Other things in this offense are going to open up. It's going to be a domino effect. But, again, I'm talking into a webcam. Who knows if the coaches are actually going to listen to this and who knows if the quarterback's going to listen to this. But get your tight ends involved, Seahawks. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, to me, that's been one of the absolutely most disappointing aspects of, of, of Seattle's two and five uh, you know, start to this season is the fact that you have Shane Waldron as, as well as Dickerson uh, coming into this this uh, Seahawks roster that, that know that what they have in Gerald Everett and their inability to be able to get Everett more involved. Obviously, he missed some time due to the COVID situation, but still. The the tight end, uh, what was such a critical part of the Ram's success and Seattle's inability to get the tight end involved uh, to me is really one of the biggest factors in why the Seahawks have struggled to have any kind of continuity on offense. we talked over and over and over again, Corbin, during the off season about how critical it was that Seattle would be able to find a third, re- a third pass catcher out there to be able to take some of the pressure off. I personally think that some of the issue is the fact that Russell Wilson at his height just simply cannot see over the middle of the field quite as well that's been some of the reason why maybe tight ends have been underutilized throughout his entire career in this, with, with, with Seattle. But at the same time, once Russell Wilson was out, I really thought that Geno Smith would be able to take better advantage of Seattle's tight ends. There are some dynamic talents out there. Gerald Everett and his ability to make people miss, be able to run a straight line speed. He's an absolutely dynamic talent. You talked about Kobe Parkinson, Will Disley with his sure hands. You really truly have, you know, the Baskin Robbins pick your own flavor kind of a thing at the tight end position and Seattle apparently just doesn't like the flavor and, and because they have been unwilling to focus in on their tight ends. And I think that that has been a critical mistake considering the fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars do have some durability and experience issues, both at safety and especially at linebacker. Then to me, this feels like a game where the tight ends have to be a focal point of Seattle's offense.
1: Again, we've been clamoring for this though, for I think in my case, it's been four or five years. Get the tight ends involved, and it hasn't happened. Maybe we'll finally get lucky in this game against a defense that has been atrocious defending tight ends. Maybe the Seahawks will actually get the football frequently to players like Everett Parkinson and Disley. Just have to see. We're going to be talking defense when we come back, flipping the script a little bit. Jaguars on offense with rookie quarterback Trevor Lawrence, James Robinson, the backfield going up against a Seahawks defense that feels like they've righted the ship. They're going to get tested a little bit, though, with a talented young offense from Jacksonville. We're going to take a look at three matchups to watch when the Jags are on offense when we return. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back and better than ever a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right. 50% welcome bonus. Just use the promo code locked on for basketball, football, baseball, to the NHL, boxing, and UFC. Right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports because it's where the game starts. milk Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried one by now, I'm telling you, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it doesn't taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy. That's not the case with Built Bars. They're soft covered in 100% real chocolate. And when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience. One you'll enjoy, you'll swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low carb, low calorie, low fat, low sugar, and high in protein. So all the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious. So many great flavors. Another great thing about Bilt Bar, there's so many mouthwatering flavors, including coconut, raspberry, mint brownie. Coconut almond, and my personal favorite peanut butter brownie. This month, Built Bar is coming out with new limited time flavors every three to four days. So check their website often. You don't want to miss out. Go to built.com and use the promo code lock15 and get 15% off your order. Use the promo code lock15 for 15% off at built.com. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. It's Matchup Wednesday. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joining me as always rob rang let's talk seahawks defense going up against the jaguars on offense and this is an exciting offense it's got some really intriguing young pieces led by the number one overall pick some people might call him the prodigal son under center in trevor lawrence he is the chosen one he's been number one ever since he was in peewee football he's been the first pick all the way up through high school College and now the NFL. And he's starting to play up to that hype in recent weeks. Jacksonville had him competing against uh Gardner Minshew in the preseason and training camp for those first team reps instead of just letting him have all those first team reps. So he started off kind of slow, but he's really found his groove. When we're looking at key matchups here when the Seahawks are on defense going against the Jaguars and offense, though, I actually want to start with the running game because Again, this is another team that their offense is predicated a lot on what their backfield is able to do. And James Robinson, former undrafted player, has ended up being a revelation. He's averaging 5.5 yards per carry. He's got almost 500 rushing yards on the season. He's been one of the best running backs in the NFL. and It's a big reason why this offense has been able to get over the hump. And with Trevor Lawrence playing better now, they finally get that win against the Miami Dolphins a few weeks ago. They're feeling pretty good coming to Seattle. A big part of that is that rushing attack. The onus falls again on Bobby Wagner and second-year player Jordan Brooks to get the job done and slow him down, not let him get going too much with the run game.
0: Not, not just the run game, but as a receiver as well. I mean, he, James Robinson is a, is a terrific back, as you just mentioned. I mean, obviously spectacular statistics, averaging five and a half yards per carry when everybody knows it's a rookie quarterback out there that, that does not necessarily have the most dynamic weapons at the receiver positions. Um, you know he's undrafted free agent. He plays with that type of chip on his shoulder, and then you know that that chip on his shoulder had to get that much more when uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars invested the second first round pick in, in another running back, Travis Etienne, who you know tragically went down with an injury, he hasn't been able to play this year. Um, but at the same time, Robinson is just playing like a man possessed. I mean, he's got that short, squatty build, kind of reminds you of uh, of Ray Rice in that he is built low to the ground, but He is powerful. He is quick. He is determined. And again, he is a good receiver out of the backfield as well. And coming off of a game in which Alvin Kamara was the latest running back to be able to absolutely scorch Seattle's defense when it came to just receptions out of the backfield, following the heels of what Najee Harris and Derrick Henry, among many other running backs have done, the Seahawks. I think that this absolutely has to be the number one priority is slowing down the running back, James Robinson, and be able to then try to take a little bit more advantage of the fact that uh, that you are playing against a rookie quarterback who, while they do have some dynamic talent at the wide receiver position, they haven't really been able to get kind of unhinged uh, in this Jacksonville offense just yet.
1: Yeah, the passing game's been pretty inconsistent. Like I said, they started off really slow, some some rough decision-making at times for Lawrence. And I think you know it was those normal rookie growing pains, and they kind of facilitated more of those, again, by splitting up reps with Gardner Minshew during training camp in the preseason. He was still trying to get his feet under him the first few games. And then DJ Shark, their number one receiver, goes down with a season-ending injury. So he won't be out there this week, but... They still have two receivers that I think are dangerous, especially against Seattle's corners. I do think the Seahawks corners have played better the last couple of weeks, but Jameis Winston missed on some open throws downfield on Monday night that I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to miss on. He's a very accurate quarterback with a big arm, good mobility, and The receiver that really scares me the most on Jacksonville's side is LaVisca Chennault, who we actually thought the Seahawks might draft a few years back because of his ability to create after the catch. You can play him out of the backfield. You can play him out wide. You can play him in the slot, and he now is their de facto number one receiver in terms of big playability. And then the always reliable Marvin Jones, he's got the stats for the Jaguars, a very reliable receiver, soft hands, a very precise route runner. He's done it for a long time. He's played for a lot of bad teams, but a very reliable target. Those two players going against Seattle's smaller corners, especially if Trey Brown plays more in this game, feels like the physicality of Chenault and the precision of Jones could give the Seahawks some problems on the outside.
0: Yeah, that that'd be my biggest concern as well, um, and I think that you're you're right to mention uh, Marvin Jones. I mean, because he has been the more productive uh, of Jacksonville's receivers at this point. He has the three touchdowns uh, receptions so far over the season. Uh, remember, that's in six games. Um, Jacksonville's coming off of their bye, um, and, and whereas Chenault doesn't have a single touchdown, but they are coming. And Chenault is a big physical player. I think Pac-12 fans will remember what he used to do at the University of Colorado. Um, He's 6'1". He's 230 pounds. And, and, you know, you, you think about Seattle's corners now, I mean, whether it be Reed, whether it be Trey Brown, whether it be the, the new starter, uh, an unquestioned starter at this point at the nickel position in Ugo Amati. And you're talking about guys who are 5'10", 190 pounds. So, again, the 6'1", 230-pound LaVisca Chenault might just be able to do the exact same thing to Seattle's cornerbacks that DK Metcalf was able to do against the all-pro corner Marshawn Lattimore a week ago. And so that would be the biggest concern that I would have for this team because you're absolutely right about Trevor Lawrence and his accuracy, his arm strength. He just has a bigger, liver arm than either Jameis Winston or Ben Roethlisberger at this point in their careers. And I have a great deal of respect for Jameis Winston, but he did miss several throws and the weather certainly was a factor. It doesn't look like that's going to be the same factor this weekend. So I do believe that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to try to stretch Seattle's defense out a little bit more um, because they know that they do have the quarterback that has the arm to be able to do that, and they also know that Seattle's going to try to take away the running game. And so the easiest way of doing that and silencing that 12th man would be to throw the ball over the top. And so to me, Chenault, Marvin Jones are absolutely critical matchups for the Seahawks uh, to be paying attention to as well. But again, I do think that they are second in priority to slowing down the running game, which as I, I failed to mention before, Trevor Lawrence as a runner is absolutely a factor as well. That was one of the big matchups I was concerned about from a Seattle perspective. And we could go, Taysom Hill wound up, of course, not being able to play for the Saints, but we saw what New Orleans was able to do in the running game um, and how they were able to keep Seattle's defense off balance. I think that's one of the things that Jacksonville is going to be looking to do here as well. Not just James Robinson, not just Carlos Hyde coming back to Seattle, but Trevor Lawrence is a, a runner as well as a passer.
1: The other matchup that I think is going to be notable to watch in this game, we talked about from Seattle's perspective, their tackles having to deal with Josh Allen and the Jaguars edge rushers. I think Seattle has a chance to really take advantage of a banged-up interior offensive line for the Jaguars. Right now, they've got Tyler Shatley at center. Ben Barch, a former mid-round pick that came from a small school, he's been banged up. They've had a number of guys in the interior that have been injured and even coming off of a bye. There are some question marks on who's going to be available in that interior line. And that may allow them to have more success slowing down Robinson as a runner. I also think that it opens the door for somebody like, say, Puna Ford, who hasn't had a lot of pass rushing production like I thought he was going to. This could be a game where Puna Ford is able to get to Trevor Lawrence a few times and at least get him out of the pocket, maybe force him into some rookie Uh, errant throws and we have seen him make a few of those this year as great of a prospect as he is he's still a rookie and he will make some risky decisions with that big arm of his occasionally maybe you can put your secondary in a position to get a quick pick a quick turnover get the ball back to Geno Smith and company I think you can do that with the interior line against a banged up interior offensive line for the Jaguars that Quite frankly, in in some cases, they're down to their third stringer right now. Even after the bye, depending how healthy they are, that is a position that the Seahawks can exploit with a defensive tackle group that might not have a ton of depth, but has been pretty darn good, actually, for most of the season.
0: Yeah, but I do think that they have to get a little bit more pass rush here. Um, You know, we've seen some flashes of pass rush from Brian Monet, from Al Woods, Puna Ford, you know, considering the fact that he was resigned, um, I I think that this is a game that he does need to be splashy because as you mentioned, there has been a lot of, uh, of injuries along Jacksonville's interior of their offensive line. I think their two offensive tackles are playing pretty good football. Um, you know, Cam Robinson, the left tackle, is a good player, absolutely lived up to, to his billing as a is a possible first round pick, wound up going the early second round to Jacksonville, has been their their lockdown left tackle for a long time now. And then Jawan Taylor at the right tackle position also started all six games, but it's been very much the opposite at right guard and, and center uh for the the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they've invested a lot of money in that position. Uh Andrew Norrell uh is a left guard and he has played fairly. Well, but Tyler Shatley now is going to be the center. He had previously played guard. AJ Cannon is a Pro Bowl corner or a Pro Pro Bowl right guard uh, for them, but he is now going to be on IR with the injuries, not going to be able to play, obviously, against the Seahawks. So to me, the interior of the offensive line is something the Seahawks have to exploit whether it be their defensive tackles game pass rush, whether it be the linebackers or Jamal Adams coming on delayed blitz right up the middle, being able to try to keep Trevor Lawrence in the interior, not allow him to use his speed to get to the outside. That to me is going to be one of the real factors here. I do think that this is the game where the Seahawks should be able to create some sacks, quite possibly be able to create some of those quick turnovers, as you mentioned a moment ago.
1: And the other thing we had to consider, and we know this from covering the Seahawks for the last decade, when you don't have continuity and you have a number of players that aren't used to playing together, communication issues become an issue. So maybe that opens the door for some of those more exotic blitzes to be extremely effective and your twist stunts with your tackles and ends. There's a lot of different stuff they can do. You don't want to get too cute, but... When you're playing a line that's got a lot of new pieces, they're not used to each other, that is an opponent that can have a lot of trouble with dealing with blitzes, stunts, things of that nature. And so that would create some opportunities for that front seven to be able to get to Trevor Lawrence, wreak some havoc, maybe create a turnover or two in the process. Thanks for making the Locked On Seahawks your first listen every day. Now make your second listen to Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and it's available on all platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinSmithNFL. You can follow Rob at RobRang. Make sure to check out Locked On Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the all-new Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Coming up on tomorrow's episode, it's Crossover Thursday. I'll be teaming up with Locked On Jaguars host Tony Wiggins to continue breaking down this upcoming Week 8 matchup at Lumen Field. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks!